are in a series right now, The Joy of Serving, and today we're going to be wrapping up the book of Jude. So if you brought a Bible, you can turn to the book of Jude. It's near the end of the New Testament, right before Revelation, or find that on your phone. And then we'll be starting the book of Titus. If you want to get a head start and start, you know, diving into that book, that's where we're going to go next week as we continue this series on serving. And we really thank God we last night had our final Saturday night service, and for four years we thank God how he has changed so many lives on Saturday night. And in this season, we realize that Sunday morning, we want people to have a great experience here at Grace and full experience from Grace Kids to Grace Cafe. And we thought it's time, elders, staff united together, it's time to focus on Sundays. And so we're going to welcome in uh, those from Saturday night. And if we need to, we're going to expand and have three services Sunday. We'll take it one prayerful step at a time. But I want you to hear that our church is growing and there's lives changing. And this is not a retreat. This is just kind of a realignment wisdom as we head into the fall in this new season. And I also would ask that you pray for our worship and arts pastor, Matt, as he was playing softball on Friday night and as he was making it to first base. And he was safe, he wants everyone to know. But uh, as he made it to first base, he pulled his hamstring and it looks pretty severe. And he needs prayer as he is on crutches, can't put any weight on his hamstring, and will see the surgeon Monday morning. And, and I asked, you know, can I share that? And he said, I'll take all the prayer I can get right now. So please keep Matt in prayer. And uh, also I want to mention at our next service, uh, we celebrate baptism here at Grace. And anytime someone, you know, has put their trust in Jesus and that next step is to be baptized in water, we have that celebration of baptism. Next service, there are two kids who are going to be baptized and they are 9 and 11 years old. And we, this is awesome because kids make their own decision. It's wonderful to have parents following Jesus, but every child makes their own decision. And there's certain ages for different children where they just know, I'm going to own my faith. This isn't just what my parents believe, but I'm following Jesus. And that's the celebration we're going to have next service with two of the kids here at Grace. And in the next gen, just across the board, high school, middle school, Grace kids right now, we're seeing a generation raised up, solid in the Lord, and we thankful for everyone who's serving with Grace Kids and Next Gen too. Can we thank God for those, those two decisions? <laughs> Let's seek the Lord in prayer together. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, and we're reminded of who you are. We fill our minds with who you are. You're a refuge. You're a strength. You're an ever-present help in trouble. In Jesus, you're a rock. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to thrive even in times like this. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jude writes this book as the human author. The Holy Spirit is writing through Jude, and Jude is the half-brother of Jesus. There's two half-brothers, James and Jude, who both wrote books in the Bible. And Jude is writing about how to thrive in challenging times. Would you agree we're in the middle of some challenging times? And how are we going to thrive? And there's an emphasis here as Jude concludes this letter that we're going to thrive together. That we need to be more mindful of we than just me. And an important part of thriving is serving one another and serving together. How will we serve and what does God want it to look like? We're going to take a look today at three specific areas and setting them up 
as contrasts, because with a contrast comes a choice. And sometimes as you see a contrast, there's clarity, and we want to walk together following and trusting the Lord. Here's the first contrast and the first choice, intentional unity versus division. Intentional unity versus division. When challenging times hit in families and communities and churches, sometimes things break apart. And there's division. And Jude spoke directly to this. Let's take a look at starting in verse 17. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. Jude is being real, and one of the realities is in the last times, there's going to be these scoffers, there's going to be false teachers. Well, what does that phrase mean, the last times? Broadly, it's referring to the time between Christ's first and second coming. And we know every day we're getting closer to Jesus' return. So there's the last times broadly, and then the last times increase as you get closer to the return of Jesus. And Jude points out very clearly There is going to be an abundance of false teaching, and there's going to be a lack of morality. Would you agree that it's not difficult to find false teaching today? And would you agree that you don't have to be that discerning to notice the lack of morality in so many settings today? And as we read this, and as we look around, and we read the newspaper and different reports, Jude is saying that this has been an emphasis in the Bible. God has repeated this over and over and over again, the false teaching and the lack of morality. Why would God repeat it? So that we would not be shocked. We would not be stunned. We would not be rattled. We would not shift into discouragement and despair when it happens. We would not be retreating. We would not be in fear, hopeless, isolation. Don't go there when you hear the news. Don't go there. Continue to trust the Lord. Now, I go back to the book of Acts when the early church was being formed, churches were being planted. The church in Ephesus was a healthy, significant church, and Paul had a close relationship there. And in his last gathering with the people in Ephesus and with some of the elders, he says in Acts 20, verse 29, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you, and they're not going to spare the flock. Even from your own number, Men will arise, they'll distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. There'll be an allurement of sin. There'll be false teaching. In other words, everything that sounds spiritual and people say is spiritual is not necessarily from the Holy Spirit. And everything that's promoted and says, oh, this sounds good, it doesn't mean it's necessarily good. I'm grateful for the health of our church. I don't see savage wolves in the middle of our church devouring people spiritually and causing division. I don't see that. But I want to point out what we have today is not what they had then. What we have today are so many messages bombarded through the internet, through social media. The internet and social media aren't wrong, but I'll tell you, false teaching in abundance, and it looks so slick, and the research is done, and the branding is done, and everything is packaged well, and you say, oh, that tastes good at first, and then you swallow it, and you're like, what is that teaching? And it's not so much in the middle of the church, but it's in our minds. It's on, we spend, you know, so many people spending 20, 30, 40, 50 hours a day on their phones and just bombarding. 
And I think that's one of the reasons that we need to redeem and send the message of God's word on the internet. Send the message of God's word through media and websites. Be faithful with our app, with our website. Because and in your personal social media sites, what do you say? How do you bring truth? How do you bring love? It's really important because that's where people are and that's where we need the gospel and God's word to go out. There's a battle happening in those contexts. The result... Notice the result from these false teachers, this lack of morality. It says they divide you. They divide you. Division, wherever there's false teaching, wherever there's a lack of morality, you're going to see division. Now, let's think for a minute about the unity we have. First of all, theologically, the unity we have starts with the Trinity. We worship one God, three persons. Perfect unity, perfect unity, perfect community, uh, perfect holiness. And we see this relational God who also has a relationship with us, and we're in God's family. We have a, we're united in Christ, in God's family, following a perfectly united God. Theologically, this is true. That's the basis. It already exists. You can't change that fact. Then practically, God loves us and gives us the word. Because as we align with God's word, our unity grows. When we reject God's word, division grows. God gives us a practical playbook and handbook that we follow together, God's word. And as we follow God's word, there's a practical unity. Theologically, we have the foundation. Practically, God gives us the instruction in the playbook. But there's still a personal choice. You are as united in the body of Christ as you want to be. And you are as divided in the body of Christ as you want to be. The friendships, the love, the way we serve one another, that is a choice. Theological foundation is there. The playbook is there with the scripture. But personally, we make that choice. Again, we want to think about we more than just me. And I want to talk about what does unity look like here at Grace Community Church. And I feel like I, I can't share this enough. We are a church family. We are multi-generational. Think about the different ages, right? Grace kids, next gen. This is birth through 18. Uh, God is doing a great work there. Then we have young adults, young families. Think 18 through 30. And then think of the stage of life, 30 through 45, and all that God does during those years. And then what about 45, let's say, till 65? Some people say that's kind of midlife right there, but that leads, and some people are looking at retirement, about 65. And then what about over 65? Here we say young at heart. And you think about the different age groups at our church, and you could break them down even more. You know, I was talking to one of my kids this week, and uh, I said, how old do you think old is? <laughs> Just wondering. And, uh, and I got the answer, 40. <laughs> and y'all laugh because when you're young, 40 sounds kind of old. And then they followed up with a question, Dad, how, do you, how old do you think old is? And I said, well, that's easy. It's just whatever age I am plus about 10. And if you ask me about 10 years, it'll be my age plus about 10. And if you ask me about 10 years, it'll be my age plus about 10. And it's about 10 years. Whatever age we are right now, it's about 10 years later. You know, So we were having some fun with that. But I, I, I want to tell you that our church is multi-generational. And that is kind of rare because we have all those different age groups well represented. And that is a blessing. So how does that happen? It happens with a lot of sacrifice because all different generations have different preferences. 
So it means we value one another, we listen to each other, everyone has a voice. We try to balance things out with the different generations and preferences and opinions. Why? Because we see the greater picture is unity. For there to be unity, there has to be sacrifice, whether it's in marriage or whether it's in church. And so we're mindful of that, and we look out and we connect and we mentor and we're intentional about our relationships. That's what we're committed to here at Grace Community Church. Another thing we're committed to is multicultural, multi-ethnic church family. And we believe that it's healthy to look like our neighborhood. It is healthy to look like heaven. And we, as a country, need a stronger racial reconciliation. Uh, this is friendships. This is understanding. This is listening. This is apologizing. This is celebrating. This is collaborating. God's body is diverse. This is learning from each other. And we want to enjoy that unity. And that, again, is kind of rare in churches, but we're committed to that. We see a culture that has a lot of isolation and a lot of loneliness, so we're committed to life groups. That's an important part of unity here at Grace Community Church. It's not mandatory, but that's where you go deepest. That's where you connect with people, and that's where we invite into relationship, and we grow in our faith together. Life groups aren't off on the side. They're core to what we do here at Grace. And then what about biblically? We're committed to God's word. We have a very high view of God's word. We trust it fully, and it's our truth source. We are very transparent about our statement of faith. Sometimes with ministries and churches, you go on the website, you try to find a statement of faith. It's like, what do they actually believe? Where is it? It's just kind of floating. No, we're very transparent, and we major on the majors of the Bible, and we trust God's word, and we're united in that. Uh, another thought is politically. You know, where do we stand? Politics are important. We encourage you to be involved. We encourage you to vote. As God leads you, step in uh, to politics. As a church family overall, uh, we are biblical, and we speak into that, we speak into morality, but what we don't do is promote certain candidates or certain agendas from the pulpit. And, you know, that's where we land. Why do we do that? Because, again, we're thinking unity in the body. And then also I'd mention COVID right now and the pandemic that we're in, because going through this pandemic right now, you probably noticed in the body of Christ, there's so many different views. What was the origin? What about the percentages, the stats? Are they accurate? Are they not accurate? What about reopening? That was, you know, a whole process. Masks, no masks. I'll tell you, you put on masks, people leave the church. You say, take off masks, people leave the church. I mean, this is just the reality of what all the pastors have been dealing with, right, the last year. And uh, even vaccinations. There'll be some people in this room who have been vaccinated, some people who don't want to be vaccinated. There's just a wide range. How do we, and I'm saying this to say, how do we think about unity in the context of everything we're going through because there's so much stuff pulling apart the body of Christ right now? And I go back to John 17. What did Jesus pray about unity? What was on his heart in his longest prayer? In verse 20 in John 17, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe. That's us. Future people who are following Jesus he says that all of them may be one. That's his prayer. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved me even as you have loved me. And the commitment here from Jesus, the prayer for Jesus, the desire, God's will for us, is that just as the Father and the Son are one, we would have the same unity. Did you hear that prayer? Just the same unity that the Father and the Son have, we would have 
with one another. And Jesus didn't pray, well, except for 2021. Uh, There's not an asterisk by the prayer, like, well, in times of pandemic or COVID, then divide, just get mean, just get nasty. That's okay. There's an exception there. No, the prayer is for unity. The Bible says the devil has schemes, and we are to be aware of the schemes of the devil. And I hope that we're able to just step back over the last year and a half. We see the body of Christ has taken a lot of hits. I mean, we see the number of people in churches right now. What's happening at Grace is not typical. What's happening uh, across the body of Christ, the number of people coming to church the last year and a half, it has rapidly declined. The amount of division in the body, it's rapidly increased. And at some point, we have to take a step back and say, hmm, it's good to have convictions. It's good to think through things. It's good to have prayerful decisions, right? The elders are continually making them. I'm so grateful for our elders at our church, continually making them the last year and a half. But at some point, we have to kind of step back with God's perspective and say, there's a scheme going on here to divide the body of Christ, and we're not going to go down that road. We're going to love one another. And it's good to have prayerful convictions and opinions, but somewhere in this we cannot lose perspective and we have to align with Jesus in his prayer and say we're going to walk united together and really love and listen to each other and pray for each other and guard the unity because the devil's agenda is to divide the body of Christ. Gossip, slander, mean, misunderstood, look down upon people who don't agree, That's the devil's agenda. And that was happening. That's why Jude says they're trying to divide you. That'll be the result. The truth is we need each other, and we honor and glorify Jesus with our unity. Jesus prayed, how does the world know who follows him? There is this unity that you don't see anywhere else. And it's multi-generational, multicultural. It's many nations involved, and we want to celebrate and guard that unity. So that's the first decision, intentional unity versus division. The second one is powerful prayer versus distraction. Take a look at Jude, verse 20. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Jude is painting a picture of spiritual health, and one of the pictures is horizontal in the relationships and the unity. And bring someone with you into the unity. And then also there's a vertical component, because we could sing kumbaya and have great relationships, but until we're seeking the Lord, you can have, in some places, great fellowship, but who's praying? Who's seeking the Lord? What's a vertical relationship like in the church? And Jude is painting a picture of both. He writes for the third time, dear friends, Notice that third time he says, dear friends, in other words, with compassion and love. And he's going to speak some words that help us grow. And when we think about prayer, uh, I want to say that there's a phrase in our culture right now, soul care. And it's an important phrase. I think more people are becoming aware that we are more than just an intellect and a body and emotions. Like we have a soul and how our soul is doing is really important. So people are talking about soul care a lot in our culture, but often people are running everywhere but prayer. And I want to tell you where our souls get healthy is in prayer. 
Bring your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You want the peace of God in your soul? You come to God, you give him your burdens, you give him your requests, and you pray together, and the peace of God comes. We sometimes run after, you know, the next bestseller or the next thing that blings, and let's try that, or maybe I'll just have the special lotion over here. Uh, lotions might be fine, but that's not going to be the soul care you're looking for. And soul care happens when we pray together. Let's get a picture of this prayer. Uh, Jude talks about keeping yourselves in God's love. This is an abiding prayer, a 24-7 prayer, collective prayer. Bring someone else with you into prayer, and it's abiding. One thing that stood out during this pandemic is that we need healthy environments at home spiritually. We want to be just as spiritual, amen, at home as we are in this building. We want to have the same kind of prayer, the same kind of worship, same kind of Bible study. We want to have vibrant life spiritually at home and in this building. This is an abiding time of walking with God in prayer. And abiding always works in every season. You will bear much fruit. Will we live, work, learn, or play? Let's pray at home. Whether you, you know, live with a roommate, living alone, living with family, lots of family, a little bit of family, could we pray at home? Could we break through and just see uh, something at home maybe that we've never seen before. And, and oh, some people say, now you're going from preaching to meddling. You're messing with home. Pastor, just talk about what happens here. Don't talk about what happens at home. Uh, praying together can be scary. Praying together can be uncomfortable. Uh, for some people, praying out loud in groups and praying together in groups, it's just new. I didn't grow up praying. I remember the first time I ever prayed and talked to God. It was at college. I won't forget it. I remember the first times of praying with other people. And I was terribly uncomfortable. I thought, I'm the rookie. I have no idea what to say. I'm going to mess this up. Like, this could be embarrassing. But as I started to do it, you know what? Um, there was this joy in praying with other people. I was able to jet ski this week for the first time. Anyone else had never jet skied before? Uh, I know there's not many of us, but I see a couple of my people. It was the first time. I don't know how it didn't happen before this, but it finally happened. And it was so much fun. Yes, it, you know, I had to get used to how fast am I going? How can I take a turn? You know, but when I finished the ride, I'm like, I got to do this again. Like, this is fun. Like, this is great. Like, I feel that power. When you pray with other people, for some people in this room, it's new. And it's going to be like riding a jet ski for the first time. It takes a little bit to get used to, but then you're going to sense that power. And you're just like, let's do some more. Let's do some more. Let's do some more. For other people, there's a, a wall there, kind of a, a block, and we need a breakthrough because there's a lot of fear involved in praying with other people. And, and I want to say that it's a biblical pattern that you see it over and over in the Bible. You see it in groups. You see it in churches. You even see it in cities and in nations, people praying together. So this is very healthy. We would never encourage you to do something that's not biblical, but praying together, uh, that's going to be a breakthrough in terms of fear. I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit doesn't give us a spirit of fear and timidity. It's not coming from God, but power in love and, and to pray and break through. And, and you say, well, um, you know, what are they going to think of me? What are they going to think of my prayer? What if my prayer? What if my prayer? What if my prayer? And I just want to say it's not a performance. And it's not about you. And no one's handing out grades. And no one's ranking Right? There's no, like, debrief afterwards, and you should have said this word instead of that word. Like, we're having a conversation with God, and, and it just, you just be humble and be yourself and talk to God. And Sometimes you, it'd actually be good if you avoid some of the kind of fakey Christianese kind of language sometimes, and that's even good. You don't have to just learn all that and fake to fit in. Just 
be yourself and, and pray. And, and you might be thinking, well, I'm waiting until it doesn't feel uncomfortable. And, and I want to tell you that for me, um, every time I share my faith on the inside, I get uncomfortable feelings. And if I waited until I didn't feel uncomfortable, I would never share my faith. If we waited, you know, to pray with other people until it doesn't feel uncomfortable, we might be waiting our whole time on earth <laughs> because this is what it is. It's reliance. Almost everyone that's gotten baptized, it's kind of uncomfortable. But you know what? The joy is greater than the feeling of being uncomfortable. If we waited until I felt comfortable to get baptized, you might never get baptized. You might never share your faith. You might not pray with other people. I'm just telling you, don't let the feelings govern your decision. Instead, follow and trust the Lord. Take the relationship risks. Let's grow in our faith together. And again, this is together. There are breakthroughs. When the early church prays together, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. When they're praying together, they have wisdom who to send out. They have wisdom who's the next leader. When they pray together, there's miracles. When they're praying together, there's power. People are coming to know the Lord. The power of God moves when we pray together. But it is so easy in this culture to be, try to be, and act like we're self-sufficient, or just to get busy and distracted. And the church in North Korea that we pray for, and we should pray for, they look at us and say, you're praying for us? Like, we're praying for you. Because in your culture, you're so tied to methods and just self-help that, like, and you got so many things going on, like, you're so distracted, like, you don't really intentionally pray together. And the church in China says, no breakfast, no Bible, which is not legalistic, but it's just a rhythm of life and it's habits that you start the day in prayer and you start the day in the Bible and then you have breakfast. And that's just kind of how you follow Jesus in China. And so we want to learn from other brothers and sisters because it's easy sometimes uh, instead of seeking to pray to be distracted. And then what about praying in the Spirit? Some people say, oh, that's praying in, in uh, tongues. And no, this verse is not referring to praying in tongues. Uh, I will say this about tongues. It's a gift in the, in the Bible. You see it. It's a good gift from the Lord. Some people have the gift. Some people don't. And if you are speaking in tongues in a church service from up front, there needs to be interpretation. These are all the biblical truths about tongues. Tongues is not a sign of salvation. You can know Jesus and love Jesus and not speak in tongues. And so it's not one that you boast or they're second rate. And, uh, you know, this is not directly talking about tongues, but people who um, overfocus on tongues love to try to put it into every passage and then make it this test of salvation and just come up with all this. Again, it leads to division in the body, false teaching. This is about praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit is when you're filled with the Spirit. The Spirit helps us when we pray. Romans 8, we don't even know what to pray. If you don't know what to pray, God knows that already. says it in the Word. We don't know what to pray, but the Spirit helps us when we pray. It's reliance on God. And ultimately, it is extremely important in the spiritual battle that we're in. This is Ephesians 6. Think about the spiritual battle. It's the same phrase here, praying in the Spirit. Listen to this. It's a timely word. Stand firm. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. That's the truth. With a blessed prey of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up that shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Had any flaming arrows coming at you lately? I tell you, you strengthen in the faith, 
hold up that shield of faith. And then don't just be defensive, but you got to move forward. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. That's the sword. Don't show up without the sword. Pray in the Spirit in all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray in the Spirit. And then Paul adds this personal note. Could you pray for me that whenever I open my mouth, God would give me words so that I would fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel? I'm an ambassador of the gospel. I'm in chains right now. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul says, if you got me on your prayer list, pray that I would spread the gospel boldly. Even if I die, I wouldn't shrink back. I would let people know about Jesus Christ. That's the spiritual battle. I'll tell you, when there's a spiritual battle going on, you can either kind of retreat, you can be in denial, and think, ah, no, it's not really going on, or you get prayed up. Unite together, pray up, bring someone else in, pray together. We can't do it alone. We need God. And then it leads to this, meaningful rescues versus isolation. Meaningful rescues. Verse 22, be merciful to those who doubt, snatch others from the fire, and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing that's stained by corrupted flesh. We talk about rescues. Uh, the ultimate rescue is that Jesus Christ, through his death on a cross and shed blood, by the grace of God not earned, has rescued us from an eternity apart from God, from the flames of hell. He has rescued us with his own life, and we are secure in God's family forever. He is the one who rescues and every other rescue comes from him. When we talk about rescues, it's not, there's no Messiah complex. There's no better than someone else, holier than thou. That's not the rescue. The rescue is simply being faithful to Jesus who saves ultimately and saves in so many ways today. And when I read um, about what's happening in Haiti and the damage there through the earthquake, I'm praying for rescues, praying for rescues. When you pray for rescues, you just don't know how God's going to guide you, but prayer's a great place to start. What about Afghanistan and everything that we're seeing there right now? Do you think there's some rescues needed in Afghanistan? I want to share with you requests. These are from pastors in Afghanistan right now, sharing requests. How can we pray? They're saying right now we are hidden in many different areas. We can't go out like normal. It's dangerous. We moved to one of my friend's houses but it's still not safe at all. The Taliban has contacted them. They're saying they're coming for all of us. Not only me, but for my family too. That's the reality for Christians right now in Afghanistan. Pastors just on the run, coming after the whole families. Uh, no one can take out uh, money from any banks. ATMs are empty right now for us. Please pray for visas that we'll be able to leave the country for safety. And also pray for the Lord um, to strengthen us in our faith, that we would stay strong in the Lord, who is the sovereign king. During this dark storm, please pray for revival. They're saying pray for revival in Afghanistan, that in this crisis right now, people would turn to Jesus. Our hope is not in politics, but in Jesus, who is king. As we're following Afghanistan, we read that they'll probably be 22,000 refugees coming that, you know, are vetted, would come to uh, pray for that vetting process, you know, pray as they come to the states. 
Uh, World Relief is one ministry that welcomes and takes care of refugees. Seattle is one of the cities that uh, some of the refugees from Afghanistan will be coming to. So this isn't just distant news. These will be people coming uh, to our city. In fact, the last two months, World Relief has had over 90 people from Afghanistan brought to our country, brought to Seattle. And take a look at this picture right here, and this is part of the ministry, is that kids come, they have absolutely nothing, and then followers of Jesus will step up, backpacks with lots of supplies, and just say, welcome to our country. Like, we love you. We want to care for you. And uh, what is God leading you to do? I'm not saying if God will use you to rescue. I'm saying how is God using you to rescue? There are so many different areas. It could be someone you know in an addiction right now. Someone you know that's extremely lonely. It could be a marriage right now. It could be a life and death situation. It could be someone's eternity with the gospel. How is God calling you to step up and not be passive, but to trust the Lord in terms of a rescue. Jude describes two rescues, very specific here. He says, some rescues are with people who have doubts, confused, perplexed, just not feeling too great. Someone told me this week, honestly, pastor, during the pandemic, I'm not doing very well in my faith. I was grateful that he trusted me enough to just say, during this pandemic, I'm not doing well in my faith. And I thought, how many people are in that situation right now? During the pandemic, how many people do you know would say, I'm just having doubts, I'm just not doing well in my faith? And so what do you do in that situation? Right here, Jude says, you bring mercy. You listen to people, encourage people, provide a safe place, bring some truth, remind them, talk about your story, build them up. And think about Thomas in the Bible. He had some doubts. What did Jesus do? Showed up again after the resurrection. Said, look at the evidence. Thomas, I'm with you. What happened? Thomas went from doubts to being on fire for God. We need people to go from having doubts right now and feeling alone and discouraged to feeling encouraged, brought into community, built up in their faith, walking with the Lord. That's part of it. And then Jude also says there's people who, well, they've just chosen to take a deep dive into sin. And maybe you know some people. A deep, deep dive into sin. Jude says you got to snatch those people from the fire. And there's some images in the Bible that you think about. You know, Noah built that boat, inviting everyone to come in. Sodom and Gomorrah, the angel said, Lot, leave, leave. You know, Lot's wife wanted to go back into it. Leave, leave. There's times where you just have to rescue in a way that's not as much of just a sit and casual and see how it works out and pray for you a little bit, but there's times where you need to be very intentional and help someone who desperately needs help. And as the Spirit moves in our lives and we step into those situations, here's an important one. Make sure you don't fall into the quicksand of that same sin that the person's in. So you come alongside of them, you, you help them out, but make sure you don't just fall into the same sin that they're doing. Uh, I'm so grateful that we have a culture here at Grace, I'd say, that is united, that is prayerful, that is growing in prayer. And also, when I think of rescues, Grace loves Auburn. Do you know, for a lot of people, that's a rescue. 
for a lot of people to be able to walk in, hundreds of families to be able to walk in and just get all the supplies because money is so tight and to have some friendships and relationships and then discover a church and then have a church home. I'll tell you, it's all three. It's not just what they pick up and take with them, but it's the relationships that start. It's a church family. It's the invite. It's them getting connected. That right there is a form of a rescue. And then I think how that's been going on for over 10 years, and then I'm meeting new people coming to Grace. I met someone last week. They're, it's a couple. Their passion is to help people uh, who have been victims with human trafficking. And, and they come alongside, and they help those ladies um, restore their lives. And, and I'm just thinking, Grace loves Auburn in that ministry. So we have new people coming to Grace with passion for rescue. We have a culture where we value that. And where is God going to lead us? Billy Sunday said it this way. He said, first, God talks and we listen. When we go to prayer, it's healthy just to be silent. Let God talk, we listen. We open up the Bible, we let God talk and we listen. And then we talk. We talk to God in prayer. We talk through our lives. And then God directs us, and we talk to other people. We build up people with doubts. We bring truth in love, snatch others from the fire, and we talk to other people. It's a ministry when you put all those together, and there's no limits to what God wants to do. Here's the summary. Let God be your confidence as you take relational risks to spread hope and strengthen people in their faith. Let God be your confidence. Set your hope on God. Trust Jesus Take relationship risks, spread hope, strengthen people in their faith. Bring someone with you into unity that is wandering. Bring someone into prayer with you. The Christian life is not just me, 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 me. The Christian life even more is who do you bring in with you into Bible study, into prayer, into unity, into rescue, into serving. Who do you bring with you? And what Jude is saying here is kind of challenging because he's saying it's chaos. He wanted to write this letter and say, let's just celebrate what we have in Christ. Actually, God wants me to say something different. That's how he started the letter. And he says, God wants me to say something different because of the times we're in and what we're facing right now and how challenging it is. And this is his message. Guard your integrity, contend for the faith. Contend for the faith, it's an athletic term, like an athlete goes all out, you see it in the Olympics, you see it in sports, go all out and bring someone with you. Serve. Go all out in prayer. Make sure you go all out for unity. Go all out and rescue people. It's not just to survive a crisis. It's not just me. Don't get stuck in, well, I don't even know if I want to pray. I don't even know if I want to serve. I don't even know if I want to. It's not just about if I want to. It's about thriving together. My heart as a pastor is that the body of Christ would not diminish and get quiet. The body of Christ would not be divided during this time. The body of Christ would rise up together in health. And do you believe that could happen right now? I mean, do you want that to happen right now? I don't want to say, oh, let's just wait until the whole pandemic's over, and then let's think about following Jesus. I want to say today, right now, in all churches, let's take to heart what Jude is saying. Let's contend for the faith. You say, well, where are we going to get that kind of vision, that kind of confidence? This is where Jude ends. To him who is able... 
All eyes on God, to him who is able to keep you from falling, to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. And I just started to write down, let's focus on how mighty and powerful God is. Let's focus on Jesus, not on the waves. Let's focus full of hope, looking to him. Uh, The same way Jude begins, you are called, you are loved, you are kept. He ends, you are called, you are loved, you are kept. And this assurance at the end, it's not just a little bit or a medium amount of assurance. This is the great assurance we have because of the presence and promises of God. It's the high note, it's the abundance, and all glory goes to God for who he is and what he's doing, and he's calling us to be faithful. Are we listening? Are we listening? As the worship team comes forward, what is God calling you to do? In terms of unity right now, let's listen to God. What is God saying to you about unity? How much unity do we want? How divided do we want to be? What is God saying to you about praying with other people? Praying together in the Spirit. You know, I took our kids on go-karts. It was a race, three boys. I just got to say this, three boys in the go-kart. And um, everyone wants to win, my three sons. Two boys get in the go-karts. They're fired up. They're in front. They're punching the gas, leaning forward, leaning into it, game face on. And um, you know what? There isn't that much speed. And then the one in the back, the youngest, his engine? Oh, he's got an engine. (laughs) You never know in go-karts what you're going to step into. The one in the back, he's got the engine. The two in the front, they're like, step on the gas, go faster, go faster. The one comes up from behind. Oh, yeah, pass on the left, pass on the right. It's like, it's not fair. I mean, the engine's different. And I'll tell you, when we unite in prayer, the engine's different. When we don't pray, it's like that go-kart, and we're just, and I don't want to be like a church that's just trying to hit the gas harder and lean forward harder. When we pray, there is a power of God that sweeps through. What is God saying to you about praying with other people? And what is God saying to you about rescues that need to happen? How many people around this church are addicted right now? How much domestic violence? How much human trafficking? Just right here. I'm not saying going beyond Auburn. I'm just saying right here. How many lonely people? How many people that don't know Jesus, don't have a Bible, don't have anyone caring for them? Father, lead and guide us. We don't just want to make it through this time, God. We want to step up in your strength, relying on you, confidence in you. We declare our confidence is in you, Jesus. As we look together, set your vision, set our hearts, we set our hope on you, and we pray in your name. Amen. Yo, subscribe to YouTube channel. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to this channel.